This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Aloha, y'all. This is a big deal. Such a big deal that we even broke the barrier of the one hour and 11 minute creative constraint here with Mike Fitch from Animal Flow. Discussing topics ranging from cannabis to the coronavirus to consciousness to death and rebirth to movement to monetizing movement to how this meme of the coronavirus and when I say meme I'm not trying to say it's not real or more or less real because it's a very real idea right now that a lot of people are facing with so much so that I found out today which is the day after interviewing Mike that there are colleges across the country are shutting down in-person classes and they're going online including CU Boulder right down the street from where I live so this is a very relevant conversation that's why I want to get up one of the reasons I want to get it uploaded right away and if you haven't checked out the previous podcast with Dan mentoring Dan on sexual synchronicity and hormonal health I definitely encourage you to check that out we uh, have partnered with my friend's company chalk.com c-h-o-q.com because he has a plethora of health products um, that I've been using some of them including the daily and the action um, and they're kind of like natural testosterone boosters. And it's weird for men and women that got a hold of those samples that I had, they've asked for more. Some of them have asked for more in such a surprising way, which is so interesting because I've been involved with so many companies that want me to promote their products. And it's like seemingly more about the marketing a lot of the times than the actual quality of the product. But in this case, I just like people basically got samples before I did or right around the same time I did and asked for more which I think that's the proof in the pudding because there was no real marketing there it was just like I don't know what this is I'm gonna try it out and most of the times results speak louder than words and I've gotten some great results with those those two products specifically and I'm so excited to check out their other ones like their Irish Moss which is so on brand this is a shout out to my first Breaking Normal podcast guest JP Sears who also wrote the forward to Breaking Normal he released a video yesterday that I saw how spiritual people argue and they were talking about, they were arguing about kale or Irish moss being the most nutritionally dense food on the market. And I found that quite synchronous. So check out their Irish moss, check out their daily and their action and the other products that resonate. You get 15% off with the code breaking normal, all one word. And uh, let me know if you have the same results that others are having uh, them working basically i remember another interview that we did laird hamilton i remember one of the things that it was it was either laird hamilton or paul check quoting laird hamilton about the conversation of what is god and then my answer being god is truth and then it's like well what is truth and the truth is what works and i think that was a quote from laird and that uh is really relevant to this conversation because we talk a lot about god in this conversation and i'd be so curious this has been one of my favorite interviews actually so i'm curious if this is one of yours let us know by leaving a review on the uh, itunes and we can check that out and and that also pays reverence to the gods of the internet known as algorithm to amplify the virility of this message which i think is maybe arguably more important than ever and only getting more important with the breaking normal times that we're in i'll even um include an outro on the outro i'll include maybe a section of the breaking normal book because i have a feeling we're going to have a lot of new people tuning into this one and that is um really kind of like my current 
outlook, my legacy outlook on life in a way, and, and some of the best ways to live life and not be dictated by cultural conditions, but more by the algorithm of your heart. So enjoy the outro. Enjoy this interview with Mike. Love to see your review. Love to see you share this on your Instagram stories. I'd love to know who's tuning into these. They seem to be very impactful on a lot of people and definitely me. So let's keep surfing this swell of synchronicity and maybe get our animal flow on here and there when we do it. All right, much love, y'all. Keep breaking normal. Oh, and definitely also let me know about your results with the products from Chalk. And use your code. Get that discount. Thanks, Chalk. Thanks, Seaton, my friend that's running that company as a wizard. So it's a real honor to be partnered with such powerful people and companies. Peace. In. Aloha, y'all. Checking in from Boulder, Colorado. What the date today? Is it March 10th? Is that correct? I believe today is the 10th. And who just answered me there is Mike Fitch from Animal Flow, which is really exciting for me to celebrate being here with you. I just found out we kind of live close to each other, which is cool. And I was on the phone with my brother right before coming in here, and you were telling me you have a phone call with your brother after this. Yeah. Which um, my brother Timothy... T. Mango mm -hmm. from the Rob Ross. I think he had reached out to you years ago about um, a collaboration, and here we are today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of these years later, we're finally doing this collaboration. Uh, but yeah, man, welcome. It's so nice to have you here. And it's funny, you say we kind of live close to each other, but we both live in Boulder, so we live very close to yeah. each other. <laughs> and living in one place for me is a kind of an, a new, I kind of, once again, kind of a new idea still. And I think that's the case for you. I mean, there is so much I want to talk about. <laughs> I want to talk about, let me plant some seeds real quick okay. and see yeah, how this sounds it, to you. Do it, lay it down. All right, first of all, animal flow and the monumental movement of that and monetizing a movement in a way that is serving the masses, like that's a big deal, big deal. I want to talk about that. <laughs> um, I want to talk about yeah, your fan, like the setup of something about you having two brothers. I've, I've noticed a lot of my bro best friends have two brothers. Mm. Just want to point that out. Cool. No pressure. Um, <laughs> are we are we becoming best friends? <laughs> uh, he just he put his hand on my knee when he said that, so maybe. <laughs> it was very intentional. Hand on the knee, look in the eyes. And that you're from Kentucky? Yeah. So our first Rob Ross retreat was a free retreat two weeks. It was like a YouTube competition in Kentucky. That's amazing. You uh, said it was the, the Gorge, right? Red River Gorge? Yeah, somewhere near yeah. there. It was called, yeah. I forget the exact name of the town, but it was right near that. We Beautiful visited area. There. Wow, what a like America's secret in a totally way. Totally untouched <laughs> in a way, yeah. I mean, most people don't think of Kentucky when they're like, wow, I want to go do a retreat or I want to go on vacation. Uh, but it really is beautiful countryside, incredible waterfalls, creeks, rivers, foliage. Like it's 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 a beautiful place. Yeah, and then I want to talk about how that relates to you living here because mm -hmm. your nomadic days, we're, we both have a nomadic history yes. and we've both landed here mm -hmm. and that I find very fascinating because I've met other people like that here, mm. many, like an alarming amount of people like that here in Boulder, which is intriguing to me. <laughs> um, and then there you, you were sharing briefly a, a story about your siblings, which brought up the story about your sister. Mm -hmm. And man, that is, yeah, we have, we have a lot of stories of like cycles and patterns and movement and, uh, stories about death and rebirth on the mm. radar. That's what I'm feeling. Let's get into it, buddy. 
Do you have a preference on where um, you, which one of those four quadrants? That I think I may have listed four or Man, so. Throw one up in the air. Well, let's we'll talk just, about we'll get into it. animal flow because I, okay. I, what I thought about before coming over here is I met, um, I hung out with the founder of CrossFit once. Mm-hmm. His name is mm-hmm. Greg Glassman. Uh-huh. Do you, have you met him by any chance? I have not met him, but I, I of course know who he is. I remember our conversation was radical, and I remember him. What he said to me was like, "Well, CrossFit's the biggest movement since yoga." He said something like that. And just like the idea that that was even um, a reality, potentially, mm-hmm. I'm, I was like, wow, yeah, you, you, this guy has made a huge impact on the mm-hmm. world. And then I think of when I thought about you, I'm like, man, I don't, I've never participated in animal flow until recently at your class here in Boulder. Right. And I see this very similar imprint. Like, mm-hmm. This is very important to mass humans to consider what animal flow even means. Mm-hmm. And if you can participate in it, let's do it. Let's talk about it. Let's see how amazing this is. My first class was so uh, expansive, I would say, yeah. in so many ways, especially tying the mental into the movement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I am curious now that I'm here with the person that is stewarding this, yeah, was there like a, what was the moment? How did animal flow come through you? How is it coming through you? What what are you and animal flow doing? What's y'all's relationship? <laughs> That's such a big question, man. Um, animal flow is, it, it, it's so many things to so many people. And that, that to me was the concept from the beginning. And so we wanted to create, and, and you know, I'll give a little bit more of my backstory, but I wanted to create a system that anyone could get into. So the barrier for entry was low. Anyone could come in, they could feel successful right away. And there was no dogma attached to it. There was no like, this is a way of life. There was no like, you have to eat this way to do this system. You have to dress this way to do this system. It could stand alone in its entirety um, or it could be broken apart and utilized as you see fit. So, you know, we have people that take animal flow movements and they integrate into their yoga classes, people who take animal flow movements and they integrate into their therapy clinics, their uh, manual therapy uh, protocols, and their rehabilitation protocols, and their sports performance protocols. And that was the whole concept. How do we affect more people? How do we create this this bridge that allows someone to come in who's maybe only expressing their ability to be strong, powerful, and fast. So maybe they are a CrossFit athlete, since you mentioned CrossFit earlier, but maybe in those physical abilities or attributes, they're only getting to really, really express a few of them. And, you know, our bodies are so wonderful in all of their abilities, but maybe they may not be able, they may not be carving out time to do the mobility, stability, flexibility, breath component, like all those other parts that make up our abilities. And then maybe you have someone on the other side of that spectrum, like someone who practices yoga, and they're on that side of the spectrum, but they're not in their daily practice able to express their ability to be strong, to be powerful, to be fast, to be dynamic, to have high coordination abilities. And so the other concept was, you know, create a system that bridges the gap between all those other different systems that are out there. And, you know, let's let's face it, uh, as human beings, we have the tendency to go towards the things that make us feel strong and successful uh, and have a tendency to shy away from the things that make us feel vulnerable and weak. And so that was basically the concept is create something that everyone could come and be part of. And it showed them some of the weaknesses in their abilities, but also gave them a bridge and a tool to fill in some of those blanks. But for me on a personal level, it was through my own journey through movement practice that I basically uncovered the idea of animal flow. And so I had been 
a personal trainer already for I think 12 years by the time I started exploring just body weight movement disciplines and so at 30 years old I decided to put down the weights 100% get into gymnastics get into parkour get into break dancing get into hand balancing get into circus arts and I was terrible at all of them like really really well, that's bad. pretty amazing I just want to make sure that I'm repeating what you said so I understand for myself at 30 years old you decided to stop lifting weights even though you've been in the personal training industry for 12 years mm -hmm. up to that Correct. point yeah so, you, is that part of your current practice? No weights. Uh, now I do. I do have loaded training back in in my program, but I was body weight strictly for six years. Wow, wow. Yeah, that explains. Like when I look at your body, that explains a lot. Specifically, the modalities that you were talking about: gymnastics, break dancing, like. I can rec I usually can recognize a swimmer, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's just so one of your brothers. Is a swimmer, yeah, right? the youngest yeah. brother. Yeah, became a big time swimmer quickly, and his body changed quickly yeah. with that. Mm -hmm. He started looking more like a shark in a way. <laughs> he was a sprinter, so it was like real, like explosive, uh, heavy in the lats and the traps and the arms, and just mm -hmm. like straight as an arrow when he wanted to be. But anyways, that's pretty awesome. I can, I can definitely, I'm like, I think I'm learning more about Timothy's like fascination uh -huh. about you at that time. Cause it, I asked him, I was like, do you want to ask him any questions? And he was like, does he, can he do a one armed handstand? Why, and why or why not? Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, his question. That's a really great question. Um, I'm happy to answer that now. Uh, can I do a one arm handstand? The answer is no, I cannot. And the, the follow up to that would be why, uh, because I've never trained it. I bet Timothy's answer it would be the same. Yeah. Exactly the same. Yeah. And, you know, like the, the great thing about body weight training or calisthenics or street workout, whatever you want to call it now, um, is the, the concept that really won me over when I first started body weight training because I, I, switching in from loaded training into body weight training was a big move for me. And it, it was empowering in so many ways. And one of the biggest things that, that – one of the biggest reasons that I thought it was so empowering is one, we live in the most advanced exercise machine in the entire world, right? We, we have the luxury of living in these vessels, which are the best machine, the most advanced, the most sophisticated machine ever built, right? And the concept that you don't need anything else to continue to build it and grow and um, achieve these skills. So acquire these different skills and acquire these different feats of strength and still have the aesthetic look that you want. Um, that was just like, man, that it was so such an eye-opening experience for me of just realizing, wow, like I can challenge myself forever by continuously working just against my own body load and gravity. And so I can put myself continuously at a mechanical disadvantage to elicit a response and so that like that won me right away and so when we're looking at those you know a muscle up a freestanding handstand push-up a pistol squat a human flag like all those things yes they're so impressive when you watch somebody do it but I think most people don't realize the time commitment dedication and proper progressions and prerequisite mobility that you need to do all those things successfully and so, you know, to go back to that answer, it's just I haven't found myself in a place yet where I feel like two hand hand balancing is so easy that I need to go to one. <laughs> well, and I, I think it's like what your your exploration of that question is it, really 
indicative of the ethos of animal flow once again that mm. this is a, um, a no barrier to entry in a way right. other than time and mm-hmm. some intention and commitment and whatever the context is but like yeah a one-armed handstand that's a there's a barrier to entry there's an initiation that will take most people much time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and again it's like going back to that just the dedication that's required and you know one of the concepts that again really resonated with me is like something that once seemed absolutely absolutely unobtainable to you when you first started that pursuit, with enough time, consistency, proper progressions, that thing will eventually be your warm-up. And I just love that idea. <laughs> what about a one-arm pull-up? Did you ever do those? <laughs> you know, I, I did get into one-arm pull-up training briefly, and uh, I got up to the point to where I was working on just a single-arm negative, so just taking the, the mm, lowering portion pretty, of it. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's, it's in – in of itself, it's a very, very taxing uh, feat of strength for sure. Uh, but same thing there. Like I just didn't feel like I needed to progress in that particular pursuit at that time. Those are fun questions. Those are like bringing me back to the Rob Ross days. Yeah, of me like working out with my brothers, basically. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and all right. So speaking of my brothers, and uh, you, you come from a family of, as you told me earlier. But for people that might want to know, you're the youngest. Mm-hmm. I was the, I'm, I am, I am the, I was, I am st- still, and I trust as long as possible, long as divinely possible, the oldest mm-hmm. of f- f- a family of four, mm-hmm. and you're the youngest of a family. Yeah, correct. And then you brought up um, this story that your sister passed away when you were what age? So I was, if memory serves me properly, I was 16, and my sister was 20 at the time. Wow, Okay. So we were both in high school at the same time. So I was coming into my freshman year. She was in her senior year. I'm curious uh, now. This is uh, this is no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not true. We were both in in uh, high school at the same time. But she, of course, graduated, went on, and uh, it was my senior year or junior year when she when she was in the car accident. And when you were in high school. Yeah, yeah. That was probably the year when I was a junior or a senior. I don't even remember. I flipped my mom's car down a cliff oh. on the school bus lane and wow. uh, trying to prove my physics teacher wrong about how fast you could take a curve. <laughs> I mean, which I did. It was 35 miles. He said 32. I did it at 35. But then I kept it on cruise control and did it at 40 again. And then I learned about, like, brakes not working. And then I learned about this little hill wow. that was down. And I learned about consequences. Yeah. And I, feel, I felt very blessed at that point and really scared to share with my parents. But it's interesting to think about. So you, here you are in that age, 16, and your sister's about four years older yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, before that happened, because now this is just, like, like I said, so personal. I'm just personally curious. What was y'all's four-sibling relationship like up to that point? Yeah, so my sister and I were closest in age, and then there was a gap uh, between her and my second to oldest brother. So my two oldest brothers, uh, Nate and John, who's the oldest, they were closest in age, and then my sister Andrew and I were closest in age. And then there's a little bit of a gap between the two sets. And would that make, was there like a more, like an intimacy between you and your sister and then the older brother, or was there, because not for myself to share, I remember all kinds of crazy, like we would do teams. I remember even teaming (laughs) up on Team Mango at one Uh point. uh Uh-huh. 
I don't know. I'm not going to give any excuses, but I'm like a little ashamed to even think about it. Yeah. Like, we like literally like we're at war with each right. other. We would team up with each other and we loved each other sure. beyond understanding. Well, but that's the dynamics of family, right? <laughs> that is the dynamics of siblings. Like you're going to hate them and love them at the same time. And you can be so angry at them. And then if someone else tries to mess with them, then it's like everything changes, there right? Yeah, good example. So, um, yeah. So, you know, my sister and I, because we were so close in age, but just far enough apart, um, we were both going through all of those stages, man. All of those stages of, you know, being a preteen, being a teen, being a child, being a toddler, like all of that stuff. So we had a pretty rocky relationship quite often, you know, to be honest, because because we were, again, just far enough apart to not really be able to relate with each other, but close enough to where we had just this unbreakable love for each other. And so we, we quite often would find ourselves just bickering, you know, just, just what kids do, siblings do. And then my older two brothers, they were very close because they were both in the same band for many years. And so they're, they're both musicians. Uh, my brothers and I are musicians. And um, so they were very, very close and, and very close in age. And then as my sister got older, she, she and my two older brothers, of course, could relate on, on many levels because they were both kind of adults and young adults. And so her and I, I think, became closest right before she passed. And then if, if you're cool with it, I know I'm imagining this has been processed many times since then, but what, what was that? What happened? What was that like for you? And then how has that impacted the journey that you're currently on? Yeah. So, um, you know, and I mentioned this to you earlier, and, and I'm happy to say it again. My, the whole story is really kind of beauty out of tragedy. And when my sister, she was actually pregnant at the time of her accident. She was in a car accident, and she was hit by somebody. And, and on impact, she, she basically was brain dead on impact, but her body was still alive. And so they were able to get her back to the hospital, do an emergency C-section, and my niece Madeline was born. And so she's been with us and it's been a true joy to have her in our lives and it made the impact and the blow a little bit less harsh because we were able to focus on man here's a direct result of this tragedy this incredible gift that we've been given which is life and it just doesn't get more clear the cycle of life of you know someone leaving this existence and someone else coming in and it was just um and of course, it, it devastated our family. It absolutely destroyed our family. Um, but at the same time, it also made us stronger and it made our relationships change completely. And, you know, at that time, I had already lost a couple of very, very close friends uh, just from random accidents, car accidents, uh, another freak accident and um, two other freak accidents. And so uh, my teenage years, there was definitely a, a theme of loss. And so it was then figuring out how to process that and deal with that. And uh, I have to say, like, you know, as as one gets older, you never stop mourning a person whom which you've lost. I think it just changes in the way in which you mourn. And so certainly through that experience, I've my outlook on life and love and journey and and self-mastery and all these things have have completely changed and so i always feel very fortunate to have gone through so much loss at such a young age because it gave me a very strong perspective on on the amazing quality and power of life yeah i'm uh that that's thank you for sharing that that's such a i imagine that could impact so many people in so many different ways mm. for me i'm thinking about the divorce 
I'm yeah. just I went through going through and the Davina, mm-hmm. our daughter. Um, it's definitely great name by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's definitely made the whole thing so much more purposeful, fulfilling, mysterious. Like yeah, there is a tr- there is a true sorrow that I got to process, and maybe in processing in new iterations every day. Yeah. But Davina is like what a divine stamp of approval, <laughs> and that, that this is what this is here now, and this is amazing, and that that came from uh, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. which was beautiful as well. But the ending, in a way, felt tragic. Sure, sure, and and you know, I even though your ex is obviously still here, um, there is a certain amount of of mourning that has to take place, right? Because that part of your life has in one way or another ceased to exist. And so there is a death component there, uh, which also, like you said, there's the birth component of your daughter, but there's also the rebirth component of as you continue to evolve in your next chapter of your life, if you will. Yeah, and for her as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I hear absolutely. That. It's yeah. like, and then to not at all, uh, they, yeah, they're, they are metaphorically similar, mm-hmm. but they are not the same. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. So man, and then, uh, yeah, uh, did that? Did, was there a shift in you at that point? Was there like, oh, I'm doing this, or like, oh, I'm done, or what? Like, what? Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, transition? you know, and honest. Uh, let's see. So there, some very interesting things happened, and you know, even still to this day, I I will maybe be writing or or some journaling and something will pop up a memory will pop up or or maybe i'll need to un- uncover another layer or go back through and pry open some briar patches and like really get back into it and you know i uh i i recently went home to kentucky and spent some time with with all my siblings and my my parents and uh because i also have my dad had a second family three beautiful kids uh still very young um but anyways um going back and speaking with my mom and asking her the very, you know, serious question of how do you think, uh, asking her, how do you think that I, I processed or dealt with Andra's death? And she said, you were so seemingly unaffected by it that we were very worried. And to me at the time, I thought that I was, I pro like, I'm, I'm like, I'm doing this. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I'm dealing with it. I'm processing it. Um, you know, this is making me stronger, but looking back now, to have the clarity that I have now with many years uh, separating the events, I realized that I did shut down and that, you know, innately we have these incredible self-defense mechanisms, <laughs> you know, and they allow us to get through really, really horrific scenarios. And so even when we think like, oh yeah, I'm doing great, uh, you know, it might be that your, your, your brain is tricking you into think, thinking that you're doing great because it's protecting you. And so I realized that many years later that, wow, man, I, I actually didn't deal with some of those emotions as well as I thought that I did. I actually uh, systematically kind of numbed myself to, to some of those feelings. And so to be able to now, again, all these years later, look back and go, cool, so there's still some stuff there to go back and explore. And I like that you're there's cool, there's still stuff mm-hmm. to explore because that's pretty much the opposite of like the feedback loop from hell potentially, which could be being mad that you're mad or being sad yeah. that you're sad. Like it's like you are turning that, in my opinion, <laughs> turning that into like a spiral, an upward spiral. Like oh, I can be happy that mm-hmm. maybe I'm still sad. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and to just give yourself that freedom to whatever comes up, just experience it, you know? And so if it is allowing yourself to be, to be sad and to, to cry and to mourn and to feel lost and to feel like something was taken from you, those are all real experiences to have. And I don't think there's any shame in that. And there's definitely nothing heroic in saying, oh, I've gotten past that. You know, there's also no urge to, to say that oh, I've, I've won that challenge. I've moved on. You know, that's, that's a total, in my opinion, that's, that's a lie. You'll, you'll never, you'll never appropriately or fully deal with losing someone whom which you love or are related to, or, you know, in whatever capacity that looks like. Oh, you mentioned systematically numbing yourself. I'm mm. curious if you care to expound upon that, what you meant by that. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I say that, I, I didn't necessarily mean like using substances or, you know, uh, drinking or, or using medication or whatever. I just meant that I was, as I was going through the experience and thinking at the time that I was dealing with it and processing it, I realized that I was just more and more getting disconnected versus going further into it. And so my superpower at the time was distancing myself from, from the reality of it and going with the everything's okay, you know, everything's cool, I'm happy, you know, I'm going to move on, I'm going to learn from this, I'm going to be a better person because of it. And so there's this urgency to get over it. And I realize now that that urgency to get over it was, was my self-defense mechanism, that was my numbing out. Yeah, that's a thank you. Thank you. That's that's some really tr like awesome transparency that I feel like I'm learning more about myself from you sharing. Mm. So I I'm also projecting that onto our listeners here, <laughs> and trust y'all are having a good time as well. Ah, oh, did that fit it all into the animal flow thing? And I or for the Rob Ross when you know yeah. when the Rob we originally made contact in a way it was through the Rob Ross and Mike from Animal Flow and it's like I remember Nathaniel. Nate, mm -hmm. Nate the Great, Magic Fingers, we call them all kinds of things, <laughs> Nathaniel today, he called us once, we were in Costa Rica, and we were just like in it, we were just like eating raw fruits and vegetables, mm -hmm. just being like raw vegans in Costa Rica, and he's like, what's up, Rob Bra? And we were like, whoa, Rob Ra. that's why I was like, Rob Ra. Rob Ra. Yeah, I'm a Rob Ra. and like, that's like, spits. that was like the Sticks. birthing like of it. the, yeah. um, idea of that i'm curious was there something like that with animal flow or how, what's your no i mean there wasn't a, a you know again i my family and i have to say i have to say i i had the most beautiful experience as as a kid growing up with my family because we were everyone was so loving and my parents were so supportive and any crazy dream that I had, you know, I wanted to be a professional skateboarder, so my dad built a half pipe in the backyard. You know, I, I, I also want to be a musician like my brother, so my, my parents would make sure that I had a, a guitar to play or, or whatever it was. And so there was just so much support there. And when I was very young, uh, just out of high school, I moved to Los Angeles. And in meeting other people and hearing their stories, I realized like, wow, how fortunate am I to have grown up with the family that I did? And so I started writing them letters like as soon as I got there just to say thanks, just to give thanks for the experience of growing up with a really loving family. And so for me, it's the character, whoever I am today, a big part of that is due to my family. Awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, respect to that. I can, I can, I respect that for mm -hmm. sure. Very similar. Yeah. Like supported, dreams supportive. Mm -hmm. Priority is to support Daniel's dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Priority is to support Mike's dreams. Priority is to support the dreams of the rest. Right. 
That's a that's a big uh, dream that I'm currently experiencing mm-hmm. with Davina. Mm-hmm. Like, so it is a dream come true, and yeah. it's a dream come true to receive. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's such a great thing, and I'm I'm not a parent, so I don't have the same perspective, obviously. But I think that's such a cool thing with making that choice of either, like, I grew up in a family that was, you know, let's say for example, I grew up in a family that was not supportive, that there was a lot of anger, there was a lot of fighting, there was a lot of whatever. So my choice in raising another human in this world is to do the exact opposite of that, or the choice of. I had a great, very supportive family growing up, so I want to offer that same experience to my child. You know, and, and, and regardless of what your your upbringing was like, you know, you ultimately get to make that choice of like, I, I, I want to either mimic the great things that I, that I was involved with with my family, or I want to make sure that I don't do those negative things that, um, that could have potentially shaped me in an, another direction. Yeah, that sounds like the evolution of consciousness. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I'm curious, how did, where did the traveling and the nomadic mm-hmm. idea come in with the evolution of your consciousness? Because yeah. yeah. that has been a huge part of my journey. So I'm curious how it's good to meet another nomad that I heard a little bit about it, but I want everyone else mm-hmm. to hear about it. Yeah. So, so Animal Flow is almost a decade old. So we started it, uh, you know, nine and a half years ago, the official kind of launch of Animal Flow. And, I was in Miami. I was living in Miami for 15 years, and I was with my my business partner Karen, whom which you you met not too long ago. And Karen is absolutely essential to the the life of this company, and she can do all the the things that I can't do, and so it makes it a really nice pairing. But anyways, we had both decided, and we were living in Miami at the same time. She had lived there even longer than I had, but my my goal at that time was how can I better serve the people who are in this community, this animal flow community, and how can I better spread the word of what animal flow is? And so, you know, to me, the greatest thing to do in, in life is, is serve others. And I think that's why I got into personal training in the first place. You know, I wanted to be a servant. I wanted to help other people. I wanted to help them realize their potential. And um, so the concept of Going out there, spending time with our people who are already involved with Animal Flow, giving them all the support, all the love, all the time, nurturing their growth, and then also doing outreach and getting other people involved and doing master classes, inviting you know, uh, people from other communities to come in and try it and do the conference circuits and, and you know, eat beautiful food and meet incredible people and see incredible things. And, and so that was the whole concept behind it. And so we, we decided that we were going to do two years. We were going to move to a new country every single month and just continuously move around. And sometimes we would cycle back through the same spots. But man, I have to tell you that it, it, it was hugely rich in so many ways and on so many levels. And so for the company, it was great, right? For the company, it was hugely beneficial uh, to get the word out there, to have kind of quote unquote brand awareness, you know, to, to have those personal interactive relationships uh, with other people and, and potential partners. And so, yeah, it was hugely beneficial. But I do have to say in in full disclosure that it was exhausting. It was really, really tiring. And at the end of those two years, I felt like in certain ways, all of my cups were so full. Uh, but in other ways, I just craved to have a home. And so I craved to put down roots. I craved to build a community locally wherever I was and be able to nurture them. And uh, so that's why we s- decided on Boulder. 
And so when we were kind of figuring out, okay, you know, we've been all these great places, and I had lived in some of the bigger cities before. So, like, I lived in L.A. I lived in New York for, for five years. Um, and I lived in Miami, and I just didn't want to do a city vibe again. I knew that I wanted to have well, have one, a place that felt like a town, two, a place that had easy access to lots of activities, three, you know, uh, great people, four, good food, five, good music. And it was just like, you know, Boulder kind of ticked all those boxes. And so I knew, you know, we had been through here a couple of times because Karen has family here. Her brother and his family is, is here. So we had been through for the wedding, been through for different events. And so I knew that I really liked Boulder. And I had lived in Aspen many years ago briefly. And so I knew that I really loved Colorado, but I didn't necessarily want to go back to Aspen. So Boulder was... You lived in Aspen, huh? I did. How long did you live in Aspen for? Just three months. Yeah. When, what months? Do you never remember? Uh, it was like spring, spring, yeah. What? Because I, that seems like, out of all places, especially because now they, with the shared custody of the Divina uh -huh, um, uh -huh. and uh, like the state lines, it's like I'm looking at more with things within the state if I want to travel. Mm -hmm. And Aspen is uh, bends my mind. My brief experiences I've had there yeah. so far. And when you say bends your mind, like in a good way or in a not so good way? <clears throat> well, I think there's a, I think there's like a, probably a cultural meme that it's like almost like obnoxiously affluent. Uh huh. Uh -huh um, uh -huh. which just compels me more. Yeah. I'm just like the thought, the thought energy that is vibrating in that beautiful box canyon with awesome water and whatever else is going there. Yeah. I'm very compelled by mm -hmm. enough to live there for three months. I would live there for three yeah, months. Yeah. What oh, was, man, was your great. Aspen experience? It, you? it was great. You know, and the thing, the cool thing about Aspen is I was working at what at that time was the Aspen club. I think it's since closed down. Uh, but I would have clients come in and meet me for the training sessions and we would walk right out the door and go up the mountain. Like it was, you know, and that was just totally normal. And so that was, it was cool to be able to integrate nature whenever you wanted to and or stay in the gym where you had all the toys and tools and stuff. So it was really fun, but also just my experience socially, I had already had some friends there and that was the reason I moved there from Miami in the first place. Uh, but it, it is a, it is a very small bubble. I have to say like, it's, I mean, Boulder's small, but Aspen is way more intimate. Like, you see the same people all the time. And, of course, it is very transient as well. But, like, if you go out at all kind of in the scene, which is Aspen, you're going to see the same people. Yeah, there. <laughs> like, I, I, when I recently went there, first of all, when I recently went there, three nights, I saw bears every night. Mm -hmm. Every night. And then I also, there's, like, this idea that, like, the billionaires are pushing out the millionaires. And that's, like... <laughs> What does that even mean? <laughs> like, what is this town? Like, the sidewalks are heated, aren't they? Like, there's I, like, I imagine there's all places. kinds of like, it's a crazy place. It and really actually, is. it's probably more intriguing to me now, too, with like the widespread panic mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. the people touching people or mm -hmm. people being around people. What is what's your? Do you have anything you want to share about the uh, current coronavirus <laughs> idea and yeah. reality? Yeah, you know, look, I think I think there certainly is some hysteria connected to everything that's going on, and I think that the media plays a huge role in that. And uh, but at the same time, you know, it's it's certainly affecting our company, as I know it is affecting everyone's livelihood and companies and income. And uh, you know, whenever you start locking down the ability for people to travel freely and to run their companies the way in which they typically do, then you are, of course, putting 
putting their systems that they put into place at risk. And so for us uh, with Animal Flow, we've had to cancel many workshops. We've had to refund many registrations. Uh, and, you know, it's just when we're faced with something like this to where we don't necessarily have the systems in place to be able to deal with it. And there are a lot of, you know, maybe certain countries drop the ball. Maybe there's a lot of blame to be thrown around. But all we can do is protect ourselves in the best way that we can you know, and maybe potentially not put ourselves in situations that may increase the likelihood of us of us becoming sick. Uh, but also, I think there's just a lot of confusion happening right now. We're right in the middle of it, right? I mean, this is happening right now. And this week is so different from last week, and so which was so different from the week before. And so we're getting to see this thing play out on a global scale. And it may be one something that a month from now we can look back and go, wow, remember that coronavirus thing that happened like a month ago? That was crazy. It almost shut down the entire globe. Uh, or we look back in a month and we go, this is way worse than it was a month ago. And how has our life changed because of that? And so the ability of all of us to be adaptable and pliable and, and malleable, and uh, it's, it's going to be so important for how we recover moving forward. Man, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it definitely, I was talking to my roommate, one of my roommates about today, and we were talking about how it reminded us of like when, like there was a lot of hysteria mm -hmm. about AIDS all of a sudden. Yep. Um, there was a lot of hysteria about like Zika all of a sudden. There was a lot of hysteria about the uh, what's the one in Africa, the uh, Ebola. Mm -hmm. Yep, Ebola. <laughs> and it's just interesting. Uh, I mean, so much is interesting about this, but it's interesting to notice that there's like new names to a similar cultural feeling. Mm -hmm. And I don't. Yeah, I really respect and appreciate what you said about it. And it's interesting to find out how it's impacted your business. Yeah, you know, and <clears throat> so, and we even had to put protocols in place for our master instructors who go out and teach workshops. And basically, you know, it's no longer high fives and hugs when you walk in the door and establishing that right away and establishing, you know, that, that it's, it's their job and their goal to make it as, as safe of an environment for every single participant as possible. And so that may even mean that we, we don't, do tactile feedback or tactile coaching or whatever it may be. Um, so that has been interesting as a company to, or and or brand to how do we respond to this and then how do we protect everyone involved in the experience of what animal flow is. And going forward, again, going back to like, how do you be adaptable going forward? We, we have to start looking at how do we have a, a digital version of what we do? Because I would never want to have our workshops only live online because it takes away that, that, personal experience but uh if, if things do continue to let's say get worse if you will then we'll have to figure out a way to where we can still deliver the information but deliver it uh in a different way in a different package and so probably what we'll start doing is doing digital streaming live uh workshops where the master instructor is still there maybe it's on kind of like a let's say go to meeting platform to where you minimize the whole attendance group to 20 people and then you actually has can still get the personalized feedback from the master instructor but they're in the country that you know at home with their camera and, and an assistant to check the comments etc so then the, our business model changes you know at that point but then we also have uh an on-demand component to our, our business, which we just launched six months ago. So it's interesting to see like how, if our company was only, only had the offering of the workshops, 
how that would change us. But then now we have another leg of our company, which is the digital component already, uh, where people can stream, you know, classes, flows, tutorials, whatever. And so it's interesting to see, like, wow, what, how fortunate was that timing? Yeah, what I find cool about that is, is like the virtual world or this um, reform fi form of fire, reform form yeah. of fire, known as technology and the internet and everything that is going through our phones, is holding people accountable, holding yourself accountable to like, regardless of what's going on, even with people touching each other, we uh, you can still follow your dharma of animal flow yeah. in an advantageous way for everybody. Yeah, and you can still affect people, right? <laughs> There's like, I was having this like, this is borderline conspiracy, maybe crazy, maybe concerning. Maybe it's because I saw, I've and I've heard some things about like coronavirus, where it came from, and how it might be tied to five G. Um, oh, uh -huh. which is is interesting. Is when I was in Aspen, a big topic of the conversation, from my understanding, was there was a girl there at the event that works for the Aspen City Council, and she was, from my understanding, she was saying that. There's a federal mandate to build these 5G towers, mm -hmm. and that they could literally build them on top of someone's home, and that the city can't really do anything. And then I've seen these things about the coronavirus being tied to 5G, and that there's this federal mandate to make 5G necessary everywhere for like self-driving cars. For one, mm -hmm. it's like the mm -hmm. prerequisite to self-driving cars. But I'm then I'm thinking like, man. Um, just it's like a slippery slope of reality yeah. for me. Mm -hmm. There's a slippery slope of reality when I consider both of those topics together and mm -hmm. what you're talking about. Yeah, and you know the thing with the conspiracy theories, and you know I, I certainly enjoy hearing them. And let me just add, add a little thing because doesn't it make sense that this, if people were really got scared of doing things they would usually do in person with each other that 5G would become this new red carpet to making the closest thing possible happen to that. That's, so I just want to yeah. give a little more roots. I'm not usually like a conspiracist publicly, but all of a sudden this is like kind of like stirring <laughs> up in me as I hear this. Yeah, you know, and the thing is, I think with the conspiracy theory stuff, uh, and, and again, like I don't, I, I have no opinion on it to be quite honest, uh, but the thing is you have to understand, question what is the benefit right so like what is the benefit if this is a bioengineered virus you know so like who benefits from it and what is the ultimate goal because of it and you know that example that you just gave which is okay we basically monopolize the situation and we have everyone on lockdown and now they have to use this service okay that's plausible i guess right but um i i certainly wouldn't waste too much energy thinking about it uh because people have a pretty a pretty crazy innate drive to want to be around other people and like even though the digital age does certainly give us many opportunities to separate from each other and we we clearly see that all the way across the board in every country that people are are less capable of having human interactions uh i don't know man daniel i think like over time i honestly think that the rebound effect from that will be going back to this kind of like tr tribe atmosphere where people will really really want to be around each other again because it's part of our human experience like it's it's in our dna like it's who we are we want to be around other people and this so this might be a kind of blink in the timeline of the history of the the human that we're like oh yeah we were separated by technology and then and then it actually did allow it became a vehicle for us to even be closer to each other again.
And that might be an overly optimistic view of what's going to happen in the future, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, hey, I've been, I've definitely been accused of being delusionally optimistic many times. <laughs> I'm like, well, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't everything faith-based in a way? Um, and it's like a great, that's a great plug for like tribe design. That's uh, that's a responsibility I felt lately is international tribe design, getting people together in person, mm -hmm. doing movement together, mm -hmm. doing music together, doing mystery together. Yeah. And the next one is that hunt. Um, have you been involved in the hunting world at all? No. No. Yeah, that's something that's intrigued me recently, especially really? with what's going on in the world. I'm like, yeah, I want to know how to go out up in that mountain and get the best food. Right. Like by if, myself. If stuff really It'd does hit like, the like, fan. Why would I? And the thing is that my experience of doing that has unlocked like answers within myself that I don't know how I put into words, but it helps me feel through the psychic dilemma mm. of what hunting and life actually means. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the experience of actually doing it yeah. and being with the animal, consuming the animal. I'm highly intrigued by animals and animal flow and like your whole your whole resonance with that. So it's cool to be here discussing these ideas with you. So when you're talking about hunting, um, and, and you said the key word there, which was consuming the animal. And I think that, that to me is the difference between hunting for sport or hunting for, for nutrition, right? Like hunting to, to, to feed yourself, to continue your life. And if you, you know, if you are going to take the life of another animal, then what do you do with what's, what remains, you know? And so I, I, I love that idea of like, if you are going to learn how to hunt, get into it, be a hunter and then learn how to utilize as many pieces of that animal as you possibly can. <laughs> now, my, my crazy mind is wanting to tie that to like social media and technology yeah. in the same way. Like I have no interest in hunting just for game. Right. Of course. Uh, that's what a target for is for me. Yeah. I'm like, what does my body want to merge with? Yeah. Like what does my body want to merge with recently geese? My friend that I'm doing the hunting retreat dropped geese off in my freezer. And I've been like, there's there was a, like a flying V of geese flying over me before I walked in here. Like, <laughs> have you eaten geese before? You know, I've, I think I've only had geese one time. Something. There's something about the idea that there's like much more worlds of food available to me in a way that my, yeah, psyche doesn't understand, but my body and DNA does. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, that... That to me is and it's something to be with the human animal that I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know that's I, I love that phrase, and that's quite often a phrase that we use in animal flow, which is, you know, a lot of people hear animal flow and they they think that there's it's all about the animal, right? And it's, and it's all about either finding your spirit animal or always doing animal locomotive patterns. And the truth is, it's really about improving the communication and connection to the human animal. And that's, that's ultimately what it is. And yes, we do use animal locomotion, but it's about getting people back inside of their, their vessel, their system, making them aware, conscious, and ultimately putting them, them in control of what they can do with their bodies. And a great way to do that is put someone on the ground, man. Put their hands and their feet on the floor and give them the motor task of figuring out this movement puzzle. And, dude, there's just so much awareness there because, you know, when people come into the gym or people come in to work out, their focus throughout the day is everywhere, right? It's spread, spread throughout their tablet, their phone, their stress at work, their relationships, their TV, their, uh, 
you know, um, their commute, whatever it may be. And so when they come into the gym, quite often it's okay. Now let's take your attention. Let's put it on moving this dumbbell or kettlebell, kettlebell from point A to point B. Uh, and they're still, they're not going internal. They're still focusing on something that's external. And so the cool thing about getting someone inside of their own body and using the floor as a tool to do that is they can't think about anything else. Like it, it makes them be ultimately present and aware of the experience that they're having at that exact moment with their vessel that is this wonderful body that we get to inhabit. On that note, if someone's, uh, I want to make sure to remember, if someone's looking to get involved in that, mm-hmm. Where do they go? Animal flow. Yeah, animalflow.com. Yeah, so you just go okay. to animalflow.com or like on Instagram, it's animalflow official, uh, and you can get all the information there. But I did have a question uh, for you. So I watched a video today from 2013 that was you and your brothers, and you guys were like, "This is the story of the raw bras up to now." <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. I think I know which one you're talking about. We were like standing you're up, standing, like in a room, like in a room. Yeah. yeah, the story of the raw bras thus far. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. I do remember that. Um, but in that video, you guys talked a lot about like going from raw vegan to then like having animal proteins for the first time, and mm-hmm. and, and the the backlash that you experienced mm-hmm. at that time. Uh, so I guess my question to you is: Do you still? Obviously, you still. Uh, consume animal proteins and then like have you since that time have you been consuming animal proteins is that something that all of your brothers are still doing good question probably yes nice yeah there may have been times though when we like took a break from food or mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. maybe meet one of us or two of us i'm mm-hmm. not sure but mm-hmm. pretty con- i think what we lost at that point was like the ability to label our diet yeah, we kind of lost that ability from there on. And it's crazy that you even feel the need to have to label it. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, just the fact that you feel, you know, we all feel that we have to, <laughs> to subscribe to this particular way of eating or, like, give a name to everything. It's it's an incredibly odd thing that we do as humans. Well, I've definitely been thinking about how diets remind me of religions. Oh, without a doubt. Is it, there's a direct that? and obvious correlation. <laughs> Something. There's something about that. What do you have anything to say about that before I bias you? I'm just curious because that's been like, that's been on my mind. Mm-hmm. Diets and religions yeah. and how they are well, similar. Well, <laughs> so I think that the way that that makes the most sense to me, the, the the answer that makes the most sense to me is anytime that someone says this is the end all be all, this is the only way, this is how everyone should eat. This is, man, you are seriously just forgetting and ignoring the fact that we are these incredibly complex beings that are an accumulation of all of our experiences and to say that every single that one diet works for every single person at that particular moment in their story and journey that is oversimplifying the system and it's just to me it doesn't make any sense it's taking the individual out of the equation yeah well i think it i think what it is now that you're saying that is for me i imagine it's for people that have really gotten like confused mm-hmm. about food mm-hmm. if, on the topic of diet, um, not religion necessary, but di- diet that these are like roadmaps to potentially get them back to a more steady, intuitive place. Sure. But some people do mistake in the menu for the meal and start to think right. that this is the 
Like that, I we as Rob Ross at one point, I was like, "Is this like the way to live? Just like eating fruit falling from a tree?" Because <laughs> man, the results are magnificent. Yeah. In the beginning, yeah. they were like, "It was like a hummingbird." Yeah, <laughs> and I think you mentioned that in the video. Like you guys were high on sugar, right? Like you're you're like, "This is incredible." Yeah, it's like the uh, very very acceptable natural drug that you were ingesting all the time. Uh, so I I certainly see the benefit in like look, whether it's fruitarian vegetarian, vegan, uh, carnivore, paleo, keto, all of those things are encouraging you to eat real food. And so you can't deny that that's not going to be beneficial for most people because most people spend so much time eating non-foods. And so I think if you can get someone to, and adherence is everything, right? So if you find someone that likes a particular diet style and it brings them to a healthier state, which will then maybe allow them to choose other styles of eating or other real foods. Fantastic, man. You know, and so like, I think, I think it's a great story that you guys have, which is like, we went to this thing that made us feel so good, caveat, for a certain amount of time until we didn't. And then we knew that we had to change. And so having that, that belief system in place of like, okay, this may work for me until it doesn't, is a really great way to enter into any like diet or nutrition endeavor of just seeing like, okay, well, how does my body like this? And then taking into consideration, what am I trying to get out of my food? Am I trying to lose weight? Am I trying to optimize my health? Am I trying to have better performance? Am I trying to sleep better? Am I trying like, what is your goal with your nutrition? And then figuring out like, what is the thing that really makes me feel the most vibrant, feel the most healthy, feel like I can perform the best. And then when it stops, you need to change. And I think the part of having in such a connection with this is the one way that I need to eat is that you start turning down all those signals that your body is giving you intrinsically or intuitively. You know, you start allowing your belief system to overpower those things. And that's where you get into a dangerous spot, in my opinion. I'm I'm like um, imagining someone that loves to drive at a certain speed, just like maintaining that speed. Because that's their I'm like that's very dangerous. Going forty around a curve. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's happened. Fifty two minutes right there. Um, I man, you brought up something. Oh yeah, do you? Oh yeah, that's what ganja. How does ganja fit in that? In your life, in the in cultures, yeah. And, and like I'm curious about your perspective on ganja and how that might correlate to that conversation. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I to be totally honest, I I am a huge advocate of of ganja and um and really just from the marijuana plant, man, you it's it's incredible how many uses, like how versatile this one plant is. And like, you know, like I'm not someone who would who would ever like be stoned all day, but I've certainly seen the research and have heard anecdotal stories of how THC and CBD have really changed the experience for so many people uh, in, 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 you know, in, 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 in not in just like, oh, I'm stoned, so I feel great, but like in with serious ailments and serious disorders and serious chronic pain and chronic inflammation, neurological issues. And, and in a way that is, you know, it's not hardcore pharmaceuticals. It's not masking something. It's, you know, it's, it's helping to, in certain scenarios, repair the body. But anyways, the reason that we're talking about this now is because, again, like, I, I love the fact that it's, it's being legalized and, and being deemed as recreational in so many different states because I've never considered it like a drug, 
You know, it's never made sense to me that that thing that's so powerful in helping so many people could be a classified with so many different narcotics, you know, that are really detrimental to the health of so many people. And so, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a huge advocate. And when I do uh, partake in THC, for me, it's, it's never been a, oh, man, I'm going to, like, get stoned and sit on the couch. It's like I have I've work to do now. And so the work is usually body work. It's usually movement. It's usually stretching. It's usually, uh, you know, myofascial modalities. And, and so it's not necessarily relaxing to me. It's okay. Let's go. Let's go. It's interesting for me. That's actually how I got into yoga. I would say my real, my real understanding of yoga was when I smoked ganja before going into a candlelight mm -hmm. yin class. Oh, nice. And then I was like, Oh, and then I learned a lot about ganja then as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I hear you. Yes, stretching and <laughs> no. yeah, yeah. And you know, for me, like it's it's not something. And it's great, you know, to live obviously in Colorado where we can go to these <laughs> incredible dispensaries and 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 get all this stuff. Uh, but for me, I'm not I'm not a daily smoker or someone who ingests THC every day. Uh, but because because of that, because I know when I do. There's work to be done. I have a different connection with my body and or it's because I'm having this kind of uh, experience with somebody else. You know, so someone's someone's visiting. I'm, I'm at someone's house and we need to um, to have this this scenario to where we're having this ritual together. Well, thanks for uh, talking about ganja in that way. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, was there a, is there an animal flow in Equinox? Ganja yeah. connection? Because oh. I, I had a membership <laughs> at Equinox for a period of time when I lived in Encinitas. And they were explicitly like models surrounded by hemp. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, like on their pictures. I'm okay. like, is like Equinox like a ganja friendly? So I don't think they've ever <laughs> promoted themselves that way. Uh, you know, and and just to give some backstory on Equinox, we were I worked for them. That was my first personal training job in New York City, and so I worked for them for many years off and on. And they were just such a great company to work with. And then going. After I developed Animal Flow, we went back and presented Animal Flow to them, and we ended up having a year exclusivity with them in Animal Flow. And oh, so, so it was only offered the Equinox for a year. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So wow. we did all of my workshops that I, I taught that year were internal Equinox workshops. Wow. Yeah, and uh, I man, I learned so much in that year because Equinox did with what they do which is they they put a major marketing campaign behind animal flow and i did all the interviews i did all the magazines all you know good morning america all the things and you know i learned so much about the machine that is marketing one but also the machine that is fitness and um my major takeaways with that one again like i can't say enough good things about equinox but also it allowed me to see that people want a soundbite that's this big in a concept that's huge, right? And so uh, I had to decide how much of the game I wanted to play. And so when someone says in an interview, how many calories can I burn doing this workout? I just have to say it depends, but that's not the point. You know, and versus going, oh, 500 calories per hour, 1,000 calories per hour, because that's, that's a number that doesn't make any sense, right? So like everyone's ability to burn calories are going to be different. Everyone's experience are going to be is going to be different. And so I had to decide. I had to I had to kind of create a line of what I was willing, how much was I willing to play, and how much did I could I keep the integrity of the message. And so after that year, I was it was like a school. It was like I went to school for like how do you 
how do you solidify what it is that you want to bring to the world and what are you willing to bend on and what are you absolutely not willing to bend on and some of those things i was just not willing to bend on what were some of the things you were not willing to well bend just on? like i said like uh you know like oh instead of saying that it was like this yeah exactly yeah, making these ridiculous ridiculous claims, claims right that that people no can't yeah yeah, gotcha. <gasps> I gotcha. yeah well can i get six-pack abs doing this <laughs> i don't know <laughs> Any other, <laughs> any other ones like that? I'm curious. <laughs> will this make me? Uh, will this make my muscles longer and leaner? <laughs> yeah. That uh, is... Explain to me what you mean by that. <laughs> well, that that mind that mindset is what catalyzes the creation, arguably, of diets mm-hmm. and religions. Yeah, without a doubt. Does this? Will this get me to get to heaven? Yeah. 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 If I start this, what is the end result that I can be expecting? Yeah, yeah. And there are people willing to an- give you the – if whoever's listening to this, there are people willing to give you the answer to that question, especially well, if there's money involved. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially. And there will always be that person, right? Because if, if someone's asking the question, that means they're a potential person that will give you money for the answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's slippery. It's a fun reality to dance with you in. <laughs> Anything else on your mind or heart? Uh, no, man. I mean, how are you liking Boulder? How about that? Mm. What's next for Daniel? Boulder. Like, Boulder, I, I am questioning if I have known, like, oh, Daniel. <laughs> like, God was like, Daniel, you're going to get divorced at this time. Where would you choose to be? Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have chosen Boulder. Okay. But I think it might be the best answer. Right on. Right on. Yeah, and I've been affirmed in that in such magical, synchronous ways. And I love the freaking mountains. I love how I like experience like two to four seasons every day. Yeah. <laughs> I love the uh, altitude. And I love what I really love are the people. Yeah. Uh, people are pretty freaking solid people in are this little here, bubble. This little bubble of boulder. <laughs> yeah, I have to say when I first got here and I would go to like Whole Foods, I'm like, why are you being so nice? <laughs> what do you want from me? I was a bit skeptical, I'm not going to lie, when I first got here, uh, but all of those people turn, have turned out, in my experience, to be incredibly genuine and in all ways. You know, There's a bolder vibe. Like People are a bit bolder here, too. They are. That's they are. like literally, like they're bolder in their nature. And there's a lot of athletes. Man, there are so many athletes <laughs> here. There are so many athletes, and it's it's impressive, like the... You know, and I, I'm someone whom in, in spring, summer, fall, uh, I try to be on a trail by sunrise m- a couple mornings a week just to be in nature when the sun comes up. And it's just such a, it just sets the tone for the day. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter what happens after, after this moment. I have this particular experience with nature at this time. And it really kind of like, again, sets the day. Um, but you're never the first one out there. Like, it doesn't matter t- what time you go, there's going to be other people out there loving and experiencing nature. I I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about because uh, surfing in Southern California. Yeah. Did, have you surfed at all? Yeah. 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 Did you ever surf at Trestles no. in San Clemente? It's one of the spots on the world tour, and it's, it's like pretty close to where I've lived, and it's an amazing wave. But the crowds are amazing, mm-hmm. like amazingly, amazingly ridiculous. 
And I that's what I thought about trestles. I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I, I realize it, it doesn't matter. If I, if I, there's no way I'm the first one out there. I think people are sleeping out there. <laughs> like, <laughs> For sure. There's just, they show up like dolphins. There's like, yeah. The sun's not even out, bro. Yeah, what am I doing what, here? What are you, what are you doing, doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why were you here before I even got here? I was like, I know. We want to get the wave before the thousand <laughs> other people get here. But in here, it is a little different for me because that, that's a literal wave that yeah. people are trying to catch the peak of. There's just a vibe of like movement mm-hmm. and vibrancy mm-hmm. in this town that it would be silly to ignore. Yeah, there's definitely a cohesive connection with the people and nature here and it's just always super vibrant it's always super active and it doesn't matter what time of year you know and it's it's bouldering it's rock climbing it's hiking it's mountain biking it's kayaking it's all the things man and then you come down to town and it's all the gyms <laughs> so you yeah. have all the rock climbing gyms all the movement gyms all the you know the triathlete gyms it's it's a really cool place to live man uh, but i did want to ask you something else because I know that you have a theme kind of running throughout, which is God and religion. Did you grow up with a specific type of religion? That's a great question. So I think probably from the age zero to five, this is a little bit of a guess, that there was probably influences from like grandparents and parents, one from the relig- uh, Jewish religious perspective, because mm-hmm. my grandparents survived like the Holocaust by living under a graveyard and they came to America and they still very much identified with Jewish culture. And then my mom and her mom being very much like conservative Christian religious background. Mm -hmm. That eventually transitioned to probably me being part of the church scene and my like from five to 13 to where my like dad converted to Christianity and that becoming more of like a, uh, a theme in my life from like 15 to 18 or 20 around the time I went to college. And then uh, now it's like, yeah, it feels like a menu. Mm. Like more like, yeah, there's, this is pointing in the direction of truth beyond my maybe mental understanding. Okay. Um, and I feel a relationship with the spirit of Jesus or Yeshua, mm-hmm. like the Holy Spirit. I feel like that name, that symbol has a lot of power. And I, I, I feel like confident in like a relationship as it being a sim- like a savior or symbolic savior in my life. Okay. I don't know how to like talk about it. Yeah. Actually, like I, like I know people that will talk about it and be mad at me for saying what I just said. <laughs> Um, but but like, you're not going to classify yourself. You're not going I, to say that you are a particular, yeah. you have a particular religious view. Well, the Tao Te Ching, if I remember it correctly, it starts by saying the best way to strip the power of something is by naming it. Mm-hmm. 100% agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think of Jesus as being like extremely blasphemous. Uh-huh. Um, of saying Jesus? No, like, no, no, Jesus, like the person, oh, okay. the human Whoever Jesus really is, like him being a very blasphemous human uh-huh. on earth. Got it. And I don't know. And I think about my parents, my grandparents surviving the Holocaust. And I'm like, man, symbols really can in- get entangled in reality. Like menus can be entangled in the meal for mm-hmm. sure. And it's, I, I feel like uh, my, my, I feel like my walk with that is actually very much to get people to experience heart sync. Uh-huh. Instead of being controlled by groupthink. Okay, heart sync versus groupthink. Yeah. Cool. I like that. 
Yeah, because I even think about my parents. Like the Jew, they they married disagreeing about God. Mm-hmm. When I married Deanna, it was not the clear. Deanna is like a uh, now a real witch. Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty trippy. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty trippy thing about like my grandparents being Jewish and my other grandparents being extremely Christian. One surviving the Holocaust, them getting married, me marrying like a Buddhist atheist who became a witch. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, religion is, wow. Can you put yeah. words around, and this is probably too big of a question for the time now, but uh, <laughs> can you put words around your concept of what you think God is? Oh, um. If you say no, I'm no, that totally was it. Okay I think it's like, that. um. <laughs> oh, okay, that was your answer. <laughs> um, something, something to do with the way. I feel about my daughter. Ah, I like that. Like, I feel like God is with me. God is in me when, when I like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) Cool, man. I can take that. How about yourself? Do you have anything that's just, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, look, I mean, my concept of God is changing all the time. And, uh, I think, but when, and I grew up in a very religious family and so I grew up Methodist and, grew up in the church my grandfather w- was a preacher in the church uh, my 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 family like my uncles big parts of the church and uh, my dad did something which I think was very smart at the time when I when I turned I think 13 or 14 he said look you no longer have to go to church every Sunday but I'm going to invite you every Sunday so you get to decide if you want to go or not and I thought that was such a brilliant kind of uh, you know, parent move to make at the time. And so, and I, I respectfully declined because I just, at that time, the religious experience that I was having in the Methodist church just didn't resonate with me. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. And so my concept of religion and God has certainly morphed and changed over the years. But to me, uh, the the closest I can even begin to wrap my head around uh, the concept of God is one just being being in in our bodies being in our bodies that have this innate wisdom to continue to want to live and has all the tools to continue to want to live and then also being in nature so to me nature is god i mean it's you can just see how how incredible all of the things that are happening in mother nature that allow us to inhabit this planet like, dude, that's incredible. And to me, that's that's enough expression of what I think God is, just the fact that we get to be here, be part of this planet, interact with each other, be in these bodies. And so for me, at this moment, that's more than enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm experiencing right now is like breath is God. Yeah, exactly, man. Breath. Air is God. And that's something I wrote just the other day. Uh, on, I was just writing down some thoughts. And for me, air is God. Oxygen is God. Breath is God. And um, I also, like, since we're going down this rabbit trail a little bit, I have definitely thought about the the human reality of how a human is created, uh, how a ba- baby is created, and the sense that me as a male, potential millions to billions, I don't know what the number is, hundreds of millions of billions of life-producing seeds mm. um, coming from my body <laughs> throughout my experience yeah but the, it takes a certain in primal intention and experience and union with another person and for that seed to hit just right mm-hmm. 
And I have like thought about like Jesus being like the winning sperm <laughs> of consciousness. Okay. I've thought about that. I've also thought about like, and like could 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 that be like in in the army of sperm? Could all the army be like this is the winning sperm? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the sperm that I believe in. Right, like they're consciously pushing the one. Sperm yeah, like forward. or are they like, just all fighting, this, and that's the you way the competition is cooperation. Yeah, is it like there's something there that I thought about, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty mystified about. It's also it's sort of taboo. Like most people think it's a joke, but I'm pretty serious. I'm like, if we're all cells to the same body, then what kind of sperm was Jesus? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But apparently, Jesus. That's also thick, thickens the plot because wasn't he a virgin birth? <laughs> so, so I'm not sure. It's all. It's all. It's like I. I, I want to be loving. I want to be loving about religion and talking yeah. about religion and God. Yeah. That's and maybe that's why maybe God's love. God is love. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? It's I mean similar similarly to what we were talking about with nutrition, which is adherence is the name of the game. So if someone if you have the if you have the best Hello, diet in the God. entire <laughs> world. Uh, but you hate it, you're not going to do it. If you have the best workout program in the entire world, but you don't like it, you're not going to do it. And so, you know, if you find a religion that works for you, that makes sense to you, that resonates with you on a deeper, meaningful level and allows you to have a code or a certain system that you can navigate your life around and be uh, fluid with, then fantastic, man. I mean, that's great, right? And what if that person thinks that that way, though, would could end? Like, if you don't believe in that, that could end you, and something you don't want, and they tell you about that. End you, and what do you mean by that? Like, like end up in hell because you don't believe oh. the way I do. Yeah, you know, and that's. I think that is one of the thing that's so detrimental about religion is that it can cause war and it can cause violence, and that's very unfortunate. You know, and so I guess in the whole, the bigger scheme of, of the whole concept, which is uh, if you have X amount of people, whatever that number may be, that are working towards heaven, working towards enlightenment, working towards the next level, whatever the, the system is, uh, versus the amount of people who are killing, murdering, fighting for those same beliefs, um, you have to have both, right? So you can't have the light without the dark. And so there has to be the existence of both. And even in religion, I think there has to be a certain amount of uh, our, us wrapping our human brain around these concepts. There's going to be confusion. There's going to be violence. There's also going to be potential for lots of love and understanding as well. And so the love's not love without hate. <laughs> well, there, right, right going past the 111 mark. I don't know if you do any numbers or numerology <laughs> or you're into that at all. Are you into that at all? Not really, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like that people are into it. Yeah, I like no, that and I know that you're into it. Just from our <laughs> brief conversations that we've had I like that, that people are far. into it, but I don't really make uh, – it's just more I, – I think I think what it really is revealing is the core of how much I love patterns and recognizing them mm-hmm. and teaming up with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that you do and that you've allowed a lot of – that you're allowing and inviting and catalyzing a lot of other people to do. Definitely. And I'm stoked for that, stoked for our connection. To be continued. Yeah, man. What do you, uh, anything in Boulder for people in Boulder? What's the next thing? Like if someone's yeah, like, I'm going to go to Boulder and do that. Come yeah. On. So in Boulder, <laughs> we have, you know, and I've been here almost two years and the goal uh, of the first phase of me being here was not to 
do animal flow classes it was really to build the community and when i say community that's first the instructors and so that's first educating the people that then educate other people and so that was the first drive and now we have multiple instructors in in the surrounding areas not only in just in boulder and so all of those first round of instructors are now starting to teach animal flow classes because they've had some time at the program they're, they're feeling comfortable enough to actually put out some classes and then we just had another certification workshop just recently and those guys will now be you know in the next couple months we'll start testing out and then they'll start offering classes so we're now you know, systematically slowly building our class experience here, which means that if people are looking uh, for animal flow classes, they'll start seeing them pop up quite a, quite a bit around the Boulder, Denver uh, area. And synchronously enough, I ran into um, Izzy last yeah. night after I think he facilitated his first yes. animal. Like yeah. We just ended up at the same restaurant. Awesome. So... Here's and cheers to synchronicity. That is the schedule for the Breaking Normal podcast. Thank you for being part of it. And, uh, yeah, keep breaking normal, y'all. Awesome, buddy. Get your animal flow on. Appendix. Top 10 hacks for breaking normal. Number one, wake up. Wake up naturally. No alarms. No electronic devices. And don't stress about doing it. Simply do it if and when you want to. Sleep when you're tired and wake up when you're rested. Simple, right? It is. But look how many challenges we create for ourselves by not doing it. Look at all the stress that comes from trying to outsmart our bodies rather than work with them. For what? We all know how good it feels going to bed on Friday night knowing that we get to sleep in on Saturday morning. It's wonderful. Even the thought of it makes us smile. So why don't we do it every night? Why don't we surrender to sleep when our body tells us, stay sleeping as long as it needs, and wake up when it naturally wants? Because it's not realistic? Because it's not practical? Actually, it's very realistic, very practical, and what's more, it's very sensible. It took quite a story to convince us otherwise. Imagine going to bed every night with a feeling of abundance rather than scarcity. Imagine getting all the sleep you need and desire. How could that abundance not carry over into the rest of your day? Perhaps the resistance to this idea, writing it off because you think it's impossible, is indicative of how far you've actually strayed. Sure, you might have to make some other life changes in order to make it happen, but by changing the way you wake up, you might actually wake up. Number two, cold shower and or polar plunge after getting out of bed. Cold water is a game changer. It wakes you up better than coffee or tea, not that I'm against either, and provides huge health benefits. It is a natural stimulant to the sympathetic nervous system, increases alertness, reduces inflammation, circulates blood and lymph, accelerates metabolism, enhances immune function, and speeds recovery. Cold water is a good spiritual practice. You can think about it all you want. You can stand in the shower with your hand on the knob or dip your toe in the water in procrastination, but eventually, you get to turn off your mind and jump in. Cold showers get you fun comfortable first thing in the morning, reinforcing the daily habit of going outside your comfort zone because that's where all the growth takes place. And if you don't have what it takes to practice being fun comfortable in the comfort of your own home, 
What business do you have being fun comfortable in front of a crowd? How will you lead others to grow if you can't lead yourself? Number three, hydrate. The solution to pollution is dilution. When you think you are hungry, drink some water first. The best water you can get, infused with fresh lemon. You might find, after drinking a liter or so, that you weren't actually hungry, only thirsty. If you do eat afterward, however, your digestion will be improved. Lemon has healthy enzymes, electrolytes, and vitamin C, and helps alkalize the body. Chew your water. Drink it slowly. Swish it in your mouth. Mix it with saliva before swallowing it down. Drink water first thing in the morning before eating breakfast, and drink plenty more throughout the day. Number four, sit in the sun naked. Not only for the vitamin D, not only because it's fun comfortable, not only because it increases healthy hormone production, gives you energy, and makes you grow, do it because it feels good. Do it because it is your birthright. Find the balance between too much sun and too little sun. Bonus, get grounded while you're at it. Go barefoot in the grass, in the dirt, on the beach, etc. Shoes are great, but the shadow side is that they might separate us from the Earth's electrical current. So go outside with your shoes off and see how your mood changes. Water, paradoxically, is also grounding. Walk through a creek, in the rain, or beneath a waterfall. Not only will this ground you, it will flood you with moon-enhancing negative ions. Maybe kids have so much energy and spirit because they run barefoot through the grass while playing with hoses and sprinklers. Number five, consciously eat local, organic, and seasoned foods with an attitude of gratitude for each ingredient and how it got to you. Take a moment to smell your food. Look at your food, touch it, appreciate it, and pray for it. Maybe the degree to which you can be grateful for your food is the degree to which your food will be good for you. Know that what you are eating is turning into you, becoming a part of your body, providing fuel for your fire. Drink your food and chew your water. Number six, functional fitness. Keyword, fun. Working out can be fun, so whatever that means to you, that's what I'd advise you to do. Sometimes I do it outside, in the sun, in the grass, doing whatever I feel like at 100% effort. Sprints, handstands, squats, pull-ups, dead hangs, etc. I get more done in seemingly less time, though in actuality, time itself is flying by because I am having fun. Other days, I go to the gym because that's what I feel like doing. Those days might be more traditional workouts, but I upgrade them by simultaneously listening to motivational speeches and mixes. It's a heightened sensory experience. Rather than only hearing the words, I feel them with my whole body. I absorb them into my mind, heart, muscles, and lungs. Literally, I am growing inside out, strengthening inside and out, overcoming resistance externally while pushing myself internally. Listen to audiobooks while getting massages. It feels as if the words are being rubbed directly into you, allowing you to absorb more of what you're learning. Number seven, tell the truth. Practice being more honest in your daily life and relations. 
Use this phrase to get you over that hump of resistance. I have something I want to share, but I observe that I am nervous to do so. Typically for me, that earns a thoughtful expression out of my listener and they give me the floor. Number eight, meditate and pray. Prayer is when you're speaking to God. Meditation is when you're listening to God. Recognize or experiment with the idea that whenever you are speaking, you are praying. And whenever you are listening, you are meditating. Everything you say is a prayer. And even if it seems like no one is listening, the Creator can hear every word. Conversely, whenever you are listening, listen closely because God is telling you something. Number nine, get paid to do the things you love to do, the things you would pay to do, and or the things that you would continue to do regardless of whether you were getting paid to do them. Those things that make time and space disappear from consciousness are tied closely to your gift. You love to do them and you give your love by doing them. Make the choice to live in that state of natural abundance which is unavoidable and everywhere you look. Make your work be something that fills you up, for that is the most sustainable job you can have. Number 10, do these exercises. I have found that the best way to do these exercises is to conduct your own workshops for friends and family. First, give testimonials about how much you yourself have gotten out of these exercises. Second, Extend the invitation for other people to join you. Invite them to invest time and money in something that you are willing to put on because of the results you yourself have gotten. Giving them the opportunity to invest money in the experience catalyzes them to get the value out of it. Third, take the lead and go first. If it's a confession exercise, you confess first. If it's the notice and imagining exercise, you go first. If it's the sharing judgments exercise, share your judgments. Lastly, team up with people who seem most stoked by these ideas to attract even more attractive people.